Welcome to the Learning Hook podcast. Join our team as they explore topics across learning and development, e-learning, media production, and all those creative learning spaces in between. For us, it's the just in time, just enough, and just for you. So let's learn, connect, perform, and do something great. Welcome, Brendan Carter here, Creative Director at The Learning Hook. Today I'm catching up with Cara McLeod, Head of Risk Skills at National Australia Bank. I guess also what I'd say, Cara, is I'm guessing you're an avid lifelong learner. I know you're a multi-award winning leader of innovative <laughs> training solutions, and we can talk a little bit about those, and very much an explorer of new ideas and someone who I've enjoyed a coffee with as we were just discussing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you, Cara. It really Thank is. Um, we were just catching up. I guess our last coffee catch-up, we sort of catch up every three months, six yeah. months and check in. And, and often I walk away from those things with a whole lot of links. Uh, today, I wanted to catch up with you, Cara, learn a bit more about what led you into your sort of current role sure. and learning and development, you know, how everything's going and probably a particular focus maybe on um, specifically to risk and sure. skills within risk and training, if there's any nuances Ooh. there and Ooh. crossover. So if you could tell us a bit about yourself, just the background, like what's led you to your current role, what excites you in it? Sure. Yeah. I've always had a tilt in learning throughout my career, kind of by accident though. I think I've told you once before, I, I went through that grueling graduate recruitment phase and then mm. just went, yeah, this isn't really working out so well for me mm. um, and sort of fell into learning purely mm. by accident. And I've stayed there ever since. Actually. Were you Japanese? Did you study? I did Japanese yeah. and marketing and international trade. So completely yeah, wow. unrelated yeah. to where I've landed today. Yeah. But I've been really fortunate, I think, and, and I maybe sort of hadn't really realised that, mm. but I've been able to work across international students and mm. the sort of the TAFE sector and then into early years literacy and not-for-profits mm. and then state government industry intervention and you know, most recently at NAB in the kind of corporate sector, So, which mm. has been a, a really big contrast to working kind of more public sector. It's pretty diverse. I was having a chat with um, some new people last week at a Christmas party and they were like, that's such a random mix. And, and I sort of hadn't really thought of it before. And I'm like, actually, yeah, it's kind of, it has been a bit random, but it's actually worked out really well. It's a, it sounds like, um, I know you're you're very good at what you do too, and you're passionate particularly about what you do, which yeah. is often, I think that's Thank often a, a mix. You know, that's the passion, sort of, we, we get good work. And, um, yeah. And you, yeah, anyway, you've followed your nose a bit to yeah. something that you've really enjoyed. and Absolutely. Yeah. And it's fun, right? Like, yeah. I, I know you think mm. this too, but, yeah, you know, when you get one of those yeah. kind of really nutty problems... Yeah. You can just sit there and kind of really yeah. unpack it and work yeah. out, well, hang on, what are we trying to solve here? And then you Absolutely. get to develop a really amazing solution. Yeah. Then who yeah, couldn't yeah. have fun doing that, really? <laughs> I reckon there's also the, a service element in probably in, in learning solutions, whether it's internal within yeah. a business or external. There's um, I, my background were years ago. A, yeah, a very diverse background, actually. But one of the many jobs I had was in hospitality. Yeah. I ended up managing a pub at one point, and so I, I did it for a while. And um, But, yeah, service was a big deal. Yeah. And that kind of light bulb moment in what we do is when you, you are nutting through that tough problem and you get the cut through, and then that sort of just the light bulb, when it switches on for our clients. Anyway, for me, the, when you talk about the fun, I, it drives me a bit. And having yeah. that credibility with those yeah. stakeholders as well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think I just I just mentioned to you mm. before that in my current situation, we are a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. So mm. we're an L, an embedded L&D function in a risk management function. And, mm. you know, sometimes mm. you do get kind of looks of, what are you doing here? Like, who are you strange people? Um, and we often look back and go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
where did they come from? So there is definitely like, you know, sort of like two alien beings together a little yeah. bit and building that credibility and yes. then getting them to realize what we can help them to achieve. Mm. Like that's pretty cool. That is. Yeah, that's pretty fun. And, and that's it. And so when out of interest, I guess, is that that function within risk, was that something new? I mean, I've been at NAV for seven years now and mm. I was embedded initially in what was called the group compliance function. So I just looked mm. after compliance training. And I must admit, when I first landed there, it was like landing on another planet for me. It was you know, a lot of legalese and very technical mm. jargon and content. And I was feeling very much out of my depth when I first landed there. But mm. I must admit, after these, after all these years, like I couldn't think, it's, it was probably one of the most challenging environments I've worked in to try and keep up with and keep your head around and to be able to play what I see now as a really integral part for an L&D function is to play almost like a translation role. Mm. So to be able to work with our technical stakeholders and then translate that for um, normal humans <laughs> in the rest of the business. Um, and so, you know, when I landed, it was complex and it was a bit overwhelming. And then I had the extra thing of, holy moly, this is going out to 35,000 people. Yeah. I better not get this wrong. <laughs> there was a big element of, uh-oh. And well, that's then, the exciting bit too. Like, oh, uh, oh, yeah, such yeah. a kick out of that yeah, bit. Yeah. And then the other bit was, it was my first experience of what I sort of call the fire hose approach of mm. just wash it over everybody and you ever tried to drink through a fire hose right but at the same time you got 35,000 people to <laughs> exactly spray right. <laughs> right. so it was <laughs> so no that's exactly yeah, it so sure. like I was sitting back and like you know I'm frantically trying to just keep up mm. but these like questions were just starting to come up in my head of why does you know this frontline employee who's, you know, maybe in a regional centre or, you know, not in head office, mm. why do they care about this stuff? Mm. <clears throat> and, yeah. you know, often the response I would get is, is because if they get it wrong, they're going to jail. Okay, let me put that in there <laughs> for you then. At that time, yeah. I sort of didn't have the confidence to really challenge that. And mm. and then mm. the, the next sort of bit was coming up was, oh, gee, we keep sending the same stuff out. Like, why are we doing this to people? Why yeah. aren't we saying, gee, you, you come to our business with existing knowledge or, yeah. gee, you've got 20 years of experience mm. at NAB under your belt. And we sort of really didn't think about that very much. Well, you see, I'd imagine from a workforce point of view at, at NAB, a similar to probably large universities and mm. even insurance industry more so, um, yeah. that you've got professionals that are jumping from ship to ship. Yeah, yeah, is that yeah, would that be fair to say? I would so, say so yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it makes so much sense. The yeah. um, we're talking um, blockchain and tin can um, type of technologies where you can have a, a, a learning record of, of your professional record. Yes. Yeah, and from a, uh, I know particularly when I was talking, we were talking about this recently with health. It gelled with me around blockchain mm. type of technology. Where I mean, forget blockchain, but technology. Yeah. In in a, in where learners carry their particularly things like compliance, exactly. their qualifications, they're micro credentials, yeah, and absolutely. and they carry those from business to business. And why it made sense for health for me anyway is a bit of a light bulb. I've always seen the power in that, but it starts making real financial sense when we go ten percent of Australia's GDP is spent on health, and that's grown to that number. Right. I think from six and a half over the last five or six years. So they were selling. I learned. And recently, and I thought, wow, you know, if we could just make the training better, it's in all of our best interests because we're all getting older. Exactly. And, and we've got to fund this puppy. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to fund health. And anyway, yes. but from a, a banking point of view, yeah, it's I, I see really that. Similar. It, absolutely. You see the same frustrations. Absolutely. Yeah. So, mm. you know, some of those questions were really banging around my head. And then, 
you know, you, 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 in your little note, you said to me, what are some of the challenges? And I'm like, ooh, there's a big oh, yeah. list. I like this <laughs> list, right? <laughs> and so, like, I try to sort of boil it down and distill it. But I think yeah. the big thing is, from risk's perspective, yes. highly regulated, you know, mm. strong, you know, sort of oversight by regulators. Mm. You know, it's really complex and it's changing so fast. Mm. And then you have your people in the business who are saying, mm. get my people through this as fast as possible. I need them to be out there talking to our customers. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. They're saying we need to make money. Right? Exactly. Um, they right. need to do their jobs and, and people want to do their jobs too. Exactly. And they don't see this necessarily. Yes. There's a distinction there, and isn't there? there's this kind of tension yeah. between mm. we need our people to know this, but we need our people to get on with their job. And I think that is probably the best kind mm. of Greatest challenge, you think? Yeah, I think so. So sort of complexity and speed of change. So you've got a mandate there to, and particularly in risk, Mm. within a financial institution. I guess that's the nuance, if you like, of sort of... um, you know, because we've got learning and development solutions across lots of different industries, lots yeah. of L&D departments, whether you're working within a kind of a stream like, mm. like risk or attached to a business unit yeah. or you're the more centralised yeah, L&D absolutely. department that has p- perhaps capability leads. So, yeah, for the banking sector, I can see that risk huge. is huge and there is definitely well, there'd be quite a lot of people. I guess it's not the 35,000, no doubt, but there's probably thousands of people that need that higher level of risk. Yeah. From a training point of yeah. view, and or specialised yeah. parts of risk, for yeah, example. Yeah. So, so all of your pathway stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they're really okay. important. Yeah. So this really did make mm. me sit back and think about this, so that yeah, you yeah. know. And I was sort of reflecting back on the last few years, and back in 2014, I think it was, or maybe mm. 2015. Yeah. I I don't even know how, but I somehow magically convinced my people leader to let me go to this random conference called the Remix Conference in Sydney. The remix. Remix. Okay. Is that a yearly conference? It is now. Okay. So, but at the time that was the first time they'd done it in Australia so it's from the UK and it was targeted at people from museums art galleries and libraries and my boss is like what are you like why and, and I'm like but it sounds really awesome I really want to go and I don't do you know in hindsight I can't even think what it originally what it hooked me mm, in mm. but there was just something that I went actually I think there's something there for me oh massive too I kind of I'm second guessing right. now but tell me you totally I, know I, it right but no, nobody knew it then no absolutely because right. it's not something people think about I've got a librarian brother-in-law oh, so I'm, see? I am aware of, sort kind of, of some of the, the yeah level of thinking there in yes. that anyway what, and so like yeah. I got there and I yeah. had the best two days I just came away from there going oh my goodness I've got like a million new ideas that I just Mm. kind of want to bring back and Mm. you know it was things like storytelling digital storytelling immersive storytelling Mm. and some of the examples were just insane was that getting you onto long form journalism yes I was there on the long form journalism you know the snowfall stuff from New York Times yeah I remember you and and I talking about that yeah and the Cyclone Tracy one we were getting into lots of scrolling courses been banging on about that for years it's now really hit its mark I think um, I think so yeah yeah Um, Right. You know, and then they, they talked about things around the scale and volume of content that they had as well. So not content mm-hmm. in the sense of we had content, mm-hmm. but one of the institutions was saying, you know, we've got something like 1.5 million artifacts. What do you even do with that many things? Mm-hmm. And how do you select the 3,000 that can be on display? And you're sort of keeping it fresh. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was things in there about sharing and traditional curation and the role of a curator in those contexts. Mm-hmm. and. They were spending a lot of time talking about 
How do we personalize the experience? And how do we use technology to drive that experience? And I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, this has nothing to do with L&D, but oh my God, it's all the same ideas and it's all the same issues that Mm. you guys are having, we're having. That's cool. But at the end of the day, do you know what the big thing was? They all Mm. talked about the visitor. They all talked about the human. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness, we don't talk about the human at the end of this product. I don't even know why that was such a revelation, but it kind of just was. It's so easy, simple, but so easy simple. to, yeah, but it's just totally a reminder, I think. Yeah, yeah you totally lose sight of it, I think. And yeah. when I reflected, I was like, oh my, I've just been lost in risk. I've been lost in the content itself mm. rather than going, what about that mm. poor banker down there that's... Um, so hence you're no. the translator again. A friend of mine within another large corporate, she was talking recently around just doing a ride-along, you know, with, yeah. and, and those, it's not done often enough particularly in these service roles i know anytime i've ever had a chance as a learning designer or you know solutions person to be sitting within a classroom with or on a training day or out at a facility in a factory yeah i've done all doing all of those things going into a mine you know with the miners and watching them do totally different what i will write yeah after that experience compared to the, you know, we'd normally do an audience analysis. We might be supplied personas, etc. You know, we've got 45% yeah. women and 55% yeah. men. And but unless you're there sort of touching it or connecting yeah. to the banker, it's just not quite the same. So, so that role of a translator, that's that. You're connecting the human to the... Um, <laughs> and we say, is this saying that subject matter experts in risk are not human? No, it's <laughs> no. not. <laughs> it's saying that we're connecting their amazing depth of content yes. to... going the end Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. it was just that... Oh, wow, there's that design thinking stuff I was talking about when I was at Design Vic a couple of years ago. And it kind of just went, gee, we were talking about there all the time. Mm. Why aren't we talking about this here? Why aren't we talking about human-centered design principles? Mm. And why aren't we talking about this design thinking methodology? And, of course, it's now exploded. It's Mm. everywhere you look now. And it's, you know, the future of the workforce is all about design thinking and creativity and and those sorts of things. But Mm. we weren't having that conversation. Well, we definitely weren't having that conversation at NAB in 2014. It reminds me of sort of agile in a particular methodology for kind of usually a specific area that people are using it as now hitting mainstream. Recently, a Harvard review or something was bringing out an article on how Harvard's now rolling with design thinking for business. Absolutely. Uh, so business leaders. Yes, so it, as was opposed, the, it was in the current HBR, right, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Even just this week, IDEO, you know, mm. who was a traditional kind of industrial design firm in the States, mm. they've now got their own kind of IDOU, which is like IDEO University. And you can enroll in all of like some free and some fee-based mm. courses to help you develop design thinking skills. That's cool. Which is really interesting. And yeah. I mean, a free one hit my inbox this week. It's 90 minutes online, introduction to design thinking principles. You're going to do it? I've already enrolled. <laughs> <laughs> of course I've done it. Finished last night. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I just think it has sort of come mm. out. But, you know, at the time it mm. was just such a light bulb moment of, yeah. aha, yeah, we need to flip this around. Mm. And um, mm. it was like, you know, sometimes when everything just kind of aligns, as I've had that kind of epiphany of, oh, yeah, remember there is a human involved in this. And, hey, by the way, we need all this stuff to help our risk professionals develop mm. their technical skills. And I'm like, we're so not doing what we were doing. Like, we're doing something different. And I pretty much pestered my boss until he said, fine, just go do it. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. And sometimes you need to ask a few times. Yes. We learn that from our children. Absolutely. Pest and power. you start really listening then. They really want it. Exactly. <laughs> 
because <laughs> it's going to change everything. Yeah. And yeah, I was just really fortunate. Yeah. He just said, go for it. Like, mm. fine, like, just go, go do it. And I was really fortunate that he gave me the space and the time to really explore that. And I think the other key ingredient was I got to work with a really cool firm called Portable. Great group. Great yeah, group. Yeah. And just really sharp thinkers. And they really challenged us. They really made us to sit mm. back and go, don't rely on what you've always relied on. So we did sort of follow that design thinking kind of approach and methodology. And we definitely started with who is that lovely human at the end mm. who we are sending all of this stuff out to. And we sat back and we really looked at that whole environment for that person. So mm. they join, what's their onboarding like? How do they get this stuff? You know, you know, oh gosh, we're making them, you know, log into four different systems to get to one end goal. And oh, well, that's not very nice. And then and it's all locked up in the LMS and they're terrified to go in there and revisit it because heaven forbid they're marked as incomplete. And we ended up with this really horrendous kind of map of what their experience looked like from sort of day one to six months. And it was really sad, I must admit. <laughs> and we just went back and we went, we kind of knew it wasn't great, but we didn't realise it was Terrible. I'm really interested because I guess the end of this too, I don't think we've mentioned it, Cara, but perhaps is the end of this sort of journey or story, it's, it's probably not the end, but it got to a learning portal. Absolutely. Okay, so That is exactly where we ended up. So knowing that that's at the end point here, yeah. and I don't think I'm jumping the gun in saying that, I've just got a question about yeah, yeah. that. That mapping that you did firstly, I think, I mean, that is the place you have to start to look at sort of a piece of work that you've done and, and to sort of create some meaningful learning and performance outcomes yeah. from, from the beast that's sort of risk, right? Yeah, and and, so, right. and the complexity of your organisation. Mm. So anyway, saying all of that, I see that mapping exercise and analysis integral to that outcome, but... Was that helpful? I'm interested in in communicating up the line because it's not an easy challenge to just get a portal over the line. So you've asked your boss five or ten times to say, we need to be looking at this, we need to be looking at this. But you weren't going in there, no doubt. You couldn't have been going in there at the time saying, I know the solution and it's this. It wasn't. You had to find the solution. Absolutely. You're lucky enough to get the time to find that solution, do the analysis, work with a great partner like Portable, do interviews, map it all out. Anyway, so where am I going? Getting it over the line for anyone listening to this podcast, particularly anyone in an L&D role that is are frustrated with their LMS potentially or um, have a solution they know is is just not right for the LMS. Getting a portal is often really difficult. Absolutely. From a strategic business perspective, IT uh, have the edict to say, their edict is we have to use what we've got, guys. Yeah, fit in. We can't be putting another system in. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm rabbiting on. Yeah, did it help you doing that piece of work? Yeah, so we ended up with that map. And that Mm. was, it literally looked like a pile of spaghetti for that poor person. And so Mm. that, we then did some personas. So Mm. with Portable, we went out and interviewed like an actual learner, so someone Mm. in the front line. And we also did a learner in back office because Mm -hmm. their worlds are a little bit different. And we then also did us as those kind of content creators, wannabe curators, and also the LMS administrator. So we actually did a persona for each of these kind of roles. Oh, and a people leader. So how does a people leader see what they're doing? And how do they 
get yeah. this stuff to their people. Yeah. So we did that. We got our big pile of spaghetti. We've got our people. We gave them names and photos and we had them up on the wall so they're mm. always looking at us. Yeah, it was kind of slightly creepy. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be ordering spaghetti at lunchtime. <laughs> And, you know, one of my lovely team members was in charge of naming these people and they had the most ridiculous names. We won't go there. We won't go there. You share that afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We did that. And then we said, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, you could go crazy and help us, you know, kind of ideate and come up with a million different solutions. But we're, we're still a bank. And we're very conservative and Absolutely. our infrastructure's, you know, mm. not 2017 and mm. um, we've got a really strict security environment, mm. you know, so we're not going to be able to go and use all of these amazing web-based, mm. cloud-based tools mm. and services. It's just not going to fly internally. So we had boundaries around what we mm. needed to achieve as well. So when we went up the line, we took our spaghetti. We didn't take our personas with us. We kept them sort of in the back mm. of our mind as we were telling the story, but we then Rather than say, this is our solution, we said, these are the problems we're solving for. Mm. So we said, we've got rapidly changing content requirements. Mm. Uh, We've got all of our content locked up in SAP. And we spend so much time and so much money creating this amazing stuff. And no one ever looks at it again. So it's a one-time sheep dip. That story is just scarily familiar to to everybody in this space. And particularly as people who create amazing content. It's really sad. Most of the time. Sometimes it's just sitting on a shelf and not getting, doesn't even get out there. I know. So that wasn't good. We didn't have a way to tap into external stuff and bring it in. So, you know, like in our space, we were thinking Mm. about things like, you know, the chair of ASIC's latest speech on X topic or Mm. something in the press about, I don't know, whatever topic was coming up, you know, maybe a reg change or something. Mm. We didn't really have a really easy to use, smart way of telling people leaders and employees what they could do, like Mm. what stuff was available to help them go for their next role. We were very, very structured of you're in this role today, so this is what you have to do. And And that needs to be accessible when you need it. If you delivered that in a course or on an onboarding piece, well, it's forgotten by the time they need it. So that was really interesting. And, And then the other one that we called out to our sort of stakeholder group was at the moment, risk loves a big stick, right? There's no carrots uh-huh. in risk because it's always sticks. <laughs> Sorry, <my sticks. laughs> Do this or you'll go to jail, you know. Um, and we said, you know, we push everything. We need to be in a position where we let people seek it out themselves. And, you know, after listening to your podcast mm. most recently with mm. Helen, Helen when she was yeah. saying about social learning and, and peer-to-peer, mm. that course, absolutely, I agree with Helen, it absolutely happens every day on mm. the floor, right? But how do we encourage yeah. that? And how do we say, hey, let us take your content and we'll host it there so you can always have it. Mm. So you're not republishing it all the time or trying to email it to everybody. Mm. Let us put it somewhere for you. So we took that up and everyone just went, Whoa. They saw the spaghetti mess and they just went, oh, my goodness, you have to fix this. And we're like, okay, we'll do it. And we and so then we got to have a whole lot of fun of actually building a, what I see as a really genuine online learning site. So we stuck with our design thinking methodology. We built minimum viable product, which to one of your earlier comments, one of your earlier podcasts about you know, learning professionals not really being able to let go unless it's totally perfect and 100% polished. Yeah, it's right? a challenge. It's psychological safety. It is. But anyway. Yeah. And I work with this mm. amazing instructional designer mm. called Catherine Young, and I've worked with her mm. for a number of years. And <laughs> I could see the pain it was causing her to let it go. Catherine, like, really struggling with, mm. like, releasing it without it being 
110 percent yeah of course and understand that too i really do like that that comment it's just it's a cultural thing and not an individual thing yep so really tough so what we did is what we published on day one was Mm. homepage of sorts Mm. that kind of went we had a little logo and a little you know this is what this site's about Mm. and hey we've got a course and maybe something else will come soon and that was all and then we had our first course and it Mm. was 10 web pages with the content with some nice graphics Mm. but things didn't work on day one there were things that didn't work but the content was there people were using it on day one rather than us taking another four six eight weeks to make it Perfect. perfect they had it did you know that some things weren't working when you chose to go ahead yes i really like yeah. that did you did you make the call yeah or? i made the call i was yeah. slightly terrified i was freaking out on the inside was anyone else pulling the hair out <laughs> my team were losing it because <laughs> i literally said to them we're working away and our release date kind of kept pushing out and then i just said to them i said that's it it's going live on this date and I don't care. It's done. We have to draw a line here. There's so much talking about the skateboard or the Ferrari. Yes, we just go with the skateboard. Exactly. The 80%, this is what's important. We've got to just get faster at what we do. If it comes down to the decision, yep. few people are as brave as what you did then. And I think you've truly embraced that. And I think NAB's really cool to have, you know, like, well, I hope that you were totally backed. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you were, yeah. actually. So you obviously weighed up what was the most important things about it. And you're going, well, hey, content, baby. Exactly. We, we can get into this. Exactly. Like, get it out there. And then, like, I mean, we didn't just put it out there and forget about it and go, oh, it doesn't work quite right. It'll be fine. Of course. You know, so what They're, we did yeah. is two weeks later, we grabbed a group of people who'd completed it in those two weeks, put them in a room and said, okay, mm. tell us about it. We don't care about the factual accuracy of the content. Like, Mm. we've got SMEs who help us with that. Tell us about the experience. And Mm. we focus them 100% on their experience. Mm. Like, how did you find scrolling? Like, did the long scroll bother you? Did... What was the feedback on that? Yeah. Really interested in... Loved Mm. it. Like, without any hesitation, had loved it. We had one... We felt like that intuitively for a long time, and it hasn't been backed by research. I've often been for years been talking about scrolling yes. we've created that for years now but it was quite a while ago that we started saying to our clients we've got to think about navigating yeah. differently let's give them a con- just the in- intuition was that this is how we explore the web this is right. just contemporary navigation absolutely as opposed to clicking next this isn't actually a massive shift it's this... nothing crazily innovative Ooh. but it was quite a yeah. different thing to do and it, it was intuition so i'm glad you backed up some intuition <laughs> Oh, look, I did, read an article recently yeah. saying the same thing, actually. Like, but I mean, it, it, we did some really testing good. as we were going through yeah. the prototype phase, mm. right? So we did wireframes and literally, you know, pen on paper, paper prototypes, and then we yep. did some digital wireframes. And, and right. every time we did get some people to have play with it and see what they think. But mm. I think seeing the final product versus that is, you know, you sometimes get something a bit different. But I agree with you. I think mm. we, for some reason, we've put this weird division between e-learning and web, just web use. Yeah. I, I don't know why. And that next button. <laughs> you will I not go next I until. <laughs> exactly. Until you have clicked the 55 oh. pop ups I have put on this page. Um, people can not read anything and wait for the audio to play out and click next. Yeah. People can screenshot every bit of content and steal it right. if they really want to. So there's all of these sort of protections that as designers and solution people, we're, we're often yeah. sort of, you know, often our clients, internal clients, external clients are, are talking about got to protect our content. They can't do the test with access to the content. Well, they can take screenshots of it all. 
they could open up a different browser. Go to university today and they're right. doing open book exams. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's, it's this just... sort of stuff that's interesting. And, and the scrolling debate, we've, yeah. we've had that one often, yeah. is sort of saying, well, look, you know, it's not an attestation as such. But at the end of every page, we just, instead of a button that says next, so once you've scrolled down yeah. through the page, we might say, have you got all that? You feeling good? Yeah. So there's actually an acknowledgement to so click got... that. Yeah. before you move ahead. Yeah. Now, if you haven't read anything, then you're choosing to cheat the system and you do it no matter what, right? And the thing is, is you can't design for the 5% mm. that are going to do that irrespective of what you do. You can't. And I think mm. we've got to kind of park those people and maybe mm. just kill them with kindness and show them how awesome this stuff is and then maybe they'll stop doing it. Mm. But I don't think you can sort of design to put all these barriers in to mm. stop that behaviour because I yeah. think they'll just find a way around it. They will. Yeah, absolutely. They'll just circumvent the mm. system in a different way, right? It mm. won't matter. So, yeah, so the focus group said a couple of really good things to us. So they said, oh, you know what? Using this particular table interaction, like none of us did it. We read it and thought about it, but we didn't actually use the interactive part of it. So you've got like a risk calculator or some form of yeah, interaction. Was, and yeah, they it's almost like a column clicker style thing, right? Sure. Where it was kind of like, mm. you know, here's a little statement, yes or no, or mm. is it high, medium or low? Got it. Those are things that Likely. Said, yeah, likely. You know, significant. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And they said, actually, we did the first one and then we just kind of reflected on the others rather than actually clicking the mm. boxes. And we're like, ah. So we stripped that stuff out. Mm. And then another bit was they said, oh, we got to the bottom and, yeah, there was the side navigation to take us back to the top, but we just wanted to be able to go to the next module straight away. So we added another navigation at the bottom pages. It took us about an hour to add to the site. Right. So that's like, what's up next? Yeah, like next yeah. module, previous right. module. It was just easy. So there were some really great little takeaways. Mm, mm. But the thing for me, you know, so I'm sitting there listening to it all going on and I'm thinking, okay, our original problem definition, we yeah, want people right. to be able to get content, we want them to be able to share it, we want them to be able to move around easily, we mm. want them to use it on the job, not just to pass the test. Mm. And literally every person tapped on to everything that was on our original list. And I sat there and went, actually happens like when does that happen mm. it was such a like kick for me to walk away going we set ourselves a pretty ambitious goal mm. we got through all the rigmarole of getting it approved and realizing it and then what people actually said after their first mm. use aligned with what our goal was yeah that what was, an outcome yeah that was really awesome so the usability side like we mm. smashed it i think and yeah. already we're having people say hey what topic are you doing next do you think you could mm. do my area next like we'd really like some stuff on there about fraud or we'd really really like you know starting mm. stuff on there about information risk and and to have people coming to us rather than us having to like drag it out of them you know is amazing yeah and now we're sort of starting to think well what else can we use it for and how else can we put sort of more sort of performance support tools or absolutely maybe we should be having yeah. some of our risk experts having conversations on there um, yeah. and we're sort of starting to sort of think about that sort of stuff so yeah. i think the usability we nailed and then we did a bit of an analysis right and this is you know a little bit of a you know, finger in the air mm. but a rough guesstimate of building that content online versus building a Z-Learn, it was 20% of what an e-learn would have cost, right? Which for me, I'm like, wowzers, like that's crazy. So when you say e-learn, you're talking traditional. Traditional. Sort of, um, we're going to build something in like custom HTML yeah, or custom, articulate or Absolutely, whatever. custom HTML, right? So all of the, our other mm. stuff is custom mm. HTML mm -hmm. and I openly yep. acknowledge it's high spec, right? Like 
We mm. like pretty things. Yeah. So the comparison is, as I think mm. the quality of the product is equivalent in terms of the design mm. quality. And, and you've built this content directly into a uh, probably a content management system, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah, yeah. and mm. we can look after it ourselves. Yeah, so yeah. if an SME yeah. comes in... It's like publishing a blog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if we all of a sudden have an SME come up and say, you know what, that case study on company A is just, it's too old, it's irrelevant now, can we replace it with this one about company B? We just go, okay, no problems. Done. Mm. You know, like it's just... It's no more going, oh, let me put that on my maintenance log and um, we're scheduled to open the course in July next year and we'll be able to fix it then for you. Are there any risks in regard, like, so outside of risk skills, the ironic, are there, like, just out of interest, I I guess, there's there downsides to this. And these are amazing outcomes. You've got 20% of the cost. Yeah. You've got customers that are, you know, banging on your door. You've got a much higher level of service, Mm. which is really important that they feel that you guys can get stuff done. Yeah. I come to you with what to me is a well to the business is critical information yeah. it is an update yeah. you need to make it yeah and you can do the um yeah. you know and internally yeah, without absolutely. having to sort of scramble for some budget perhaps or get to a high demand resource internal exactly okay. so i think there are a couple of things it means that we need to have appropriate resources in the team those digital skills yeah. i think that there's also a bit around managing expectations Mm. right we're a small team we've got this awesome tool that looks really fabulous yeah can we actually keep up with the requests yeah right disappoint people and say you know we really want to help you but we've already got like five things in the queue like Mm. that would be number that would be heartbreaking (laughs) for me of not being able to deliver something (laughs) i remember by looking to buy a home and uh, i think it was porter davis had a pitch where they said um we saw all these different people building homes and, and they said to us well these things always go over time but our projects don't because we only build 30 of these a month. Yeah. We cannot book you in for another four months. But what we can do is pretty much guarantee. And I don't think they could. And I think they would have gone over time, mind you. We didn't do it. But I loved their pitch. It was the one I would have gone with if yeah. we had it built. Yeah. Anyway, people can value your service. Um Anyway, yeah, yeah but I know true. I do know what you mean. As a service provider ourselves, we're always trying to jump through hoops and, you know, we get it done. But sometimes that undue pressure, people will understand and can value. Yeah. yeah. You know, I walk away and I look at mm. what we've been able to do with this. We've called it Risk Campus, yeah. like a university campus. Yeah, it. Like it's yeah, just, nice. you know, like it's the spot where you can go, uh, learn, mix with other people. I'm so proud of it. And it's it's more of a place than the than an academy or the university. It's actually a location. Absolutely. More so. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, I like that. Because nice. you can have multiple campuses too. Very smart. <laughs> this is your marketing background coming out, Cara. You can have a culture campus. Or the wellbeing campus. I love it. <laughs> that is my spin-off business. Nice. You know, mm. I am genuinely excited about what else we can do with it now. Absolutely. I think that's a really exciting... That, we haven't got a plan is. yet. We're working on a plan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, it sounds like there's a lot in the sort of the pipeline yeah. of thinking, yeah, whether it's, yeah, all the initiatives that can kind of sit on the back of this, whether it's, you, you, you know, a monthly podcast yep. or a, a monthly vodcast or interviews yeah. or people posting in their stories even. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, even one of the things we're yeah. looking at at the moment is this little performance support tool. And Mm. the stakeholder I'm working with, she said, well, I want a feedback loop. I don't want it just to be static where they can read it, but I want them to be able to talk back to me. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. How can I make that work? Mm. You know, and that's just such, to me, it's just such a a good Mm. challenge to get my teeth into. Every portal that we've built, we've always looked for 
a tool that they want to use every day yeah, so that clue. so that it is looked at as performance support tool yeah. although there's a whole lot of learning available in there too exactly. and lots of reinforcement and lots of things coming in different sizes yeah. and the same message kind of done yeah. in different ways but particularly having a tool that you can use for business is um yeah if you can think of something like that that people will use yeah. frequently it's great because they'll go back they'll see that as that's hugely valuable and it's like it's, it's practical yeah, yeah. Right? absolutely it's real yeah yeah sometimes yeah, they, they, get, they get a bit hr fluffy so yes, that's been my success. Yeah, no, it's brilliant you've been able to share that too, Carol. Thanks for having me. Is it going in for an award soon? I hope so. Well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, we'll see. I had another question. Yeah, okay. So, if there was one thing our learning and development community could do better or differently, you know, I think yeah. there are fun things out there. Do you know one of the really basic things that I don't think we do very well? Mm. And this is you know after hanging out and risk for a while where they love mm. this stuff, mm. we're not really that great at analytics. Right? Like, I mean, we rely on a lot of, yep, you passed that exam, you got 100%, go on your merry way, you're awesome. Mm. We don't really do much else. Or, you know, we do some happy sheets. Do you, mm. How'd you feel after this? Did you like the room? Did you mm. like the catering? If it wasn't learning and it was a real business project or a customer project, you would have some hard measures, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, how much revenue did that generate or... Mm. You know, those sorts of mm. things, I don't think we do that as well in learning. And I know that it's a tough cookie, but there has to be something. You know, one of the ones I always hear is, if our operas training is awesome, we won't have any breaches. Maybe you'll have more because people will actually identify it and call it yeah, out for you. Absolutely. We, you know we're I mean? seeing that in a lot of, I mean, particularly around sexual discrimination and harassment now. Right. It's on the rise, is it? The recording of it's on the rise. Exactly. Because we're more informed. You're informed yeah, and you're aware of absolutely. it. You know so maybe the measurement there then is that's the thing of defining it up front. Exactly. A measurement could be that we get more calls. We, we did that for yeah. cybersecurity training, for example, and we had a measurement there to say that the support guys will get more phone calls. See, we'll that's, get more see, calls that's clever. Because people... Yep. So we wanted to see that. Yeah. It was good, actually, because then they could, um, and then they had other modules they could then just direct people to. So when you get more yep. calls, you can use it then as a performance sort of support tool yeah. for, for the, the IT guy. Well, I'm going to fix that, but listen. This is what you do next <laughs> go, time. Yeah, go yeah. and have a look at this. Exactly. Yeah. I know I'm pushing my team to do more of that and to mm. have more of those conversations. Of, well, okay, great. So you want something about this. Why? Where are you going to mm. see this improvement? Like, what are you expecting this to influence? Mm. And sort of being more proactive at having right. that conversation up front. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely something I've got on my mm. radar for 2018 yeah, yeah. to really sort of yeah. face into. And think about whether, well, I don't know, the portal, does the, where the portal sits with that. Is yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Like at the Absolutely. moment we have, um, a, you know, a number of unique visits. And have Google Analytics built in. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do with that. We'll do with that this that, year. That'll cost you 1% of a normal e-learn. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, that'll take you the types of devices, big numbers. You can get some sort of some specific stuff, but you won't get the names of no, people. No, but um, it's certainly Google Analytics is powerful. Well, I mean, it depends if you're using SCORM too. I, actually, I know I shared this with you, Kara. I think that instructional designers should know if you're still writing for SCORM. Mm. You should really know more about that technology. There are documents around that are pretty plain English. They're not highly technical to read. And it explains all the types of SCORM interactions you can write, even in SCORM 1.2. Yeah. And, and this stuff, you can be tracking all kinds of things on every single page. If an ID knew that, they can then use that understanding business aims and outcomes, and that they could use that. Yeah. If you understand that up front, 
you can then design with that in mind. Absolutely. But instead we get uh, completion or potentially question and answer level reporting is about the depth of it. After you shared that paper with me, Mm. we're running a little experiment at the moment is to see what can we get back from our SCORMs? Because at the moment we don't get anything, right? Because it's just the functionality is not set up internally to do it. So Mm. after those conversations Mm. I've been having with you about it, I'm going to my team, just go and find out how this works. Like I want, this would be cool to look at. Let's, like yep. at least something. It's a meaningful right? conversation. Often LMS administrators won't understand that. It's the LMS provider. It'll They'll want to charge you potentially for unique reports to report on it. So SCORM is different to the LMS. The LMS is hearing device yes. and it can, it should be able to, if it conforms to certain SCORM standards, should be able to pick up those calls from SCORM, which is powerful. Exactly. And all it is is a report away because yep. the data is actually there. It's there. It's just we're just going to pull it out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah. we've run a little experiment right. and our first little gift back from SAP mm. has been um, a little promising and we're now sort of doing a second stab at it to right. see what it looks like. But, I mean, even just something mm. as simple as that because, you know, you go, oh, you know, we could totally get Q&A answers. And I'm like, God, we don't even have as a provider and as a, as working within enterprise myself it's something that customers at all levels have often get excited about when i mention it and they want it yeah then it's what often you, not used what do you use it for and this the, is what we're playing with at the moment is okay so we can see what we can yeah. get back here's our first little stab at it what and it's planning on using it it's having yeah. the resources to use it so as much as ideally everyone knows that well if we could see what particular areas we're getting wrong in that assessment, will that be an indication of breaches potentially? It's almost a a training needs analysis. We roll this puppy out once a year to the whole business, right? Why don't we use that as a sort of P&A, a performance needs analysis potentially? So it's always powerful, the discussion, but the actual using it, it goes live and suddenly it's this thing. Yep. It's out of my hair. It's done now. Next project is supposed to, sitting on the as opposed to the learning campaign or lifelong learning. And But maybe exactly. this is the thing. Port, that's where portals are cool because there's an attachment there to the campus for a longer period of time, exactly. right? Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, so yeah. I think definitely that's on my radar for this year. And I'm bugging my team that I think they're starting to feel slightly harassed about it but i'll keep going i'm sure they're enjoying themselves it sounds like there's a lot of accolades coming we have lots of fun but look i really think the whole concept of sort of human-centered design and design thinking Mm. i think we have to get better at that yeah we really do and that iterative approach minimum Mm. viable product Mm. you know it's the skateboard not the ferrari all those sorts of things and having the guts to to really roll with that too and partner properly if you're doing it internally it's partnering within the business properly and having that true psychological safety with your clients and your team and your boss and your reports or if with a vendor then it's truly partnering with them and knowing that that's what you're going to do together and you will get a better product it's not necessarily cheaper and it's not or faster. faster yeah absolutely but it's but... it will be better much better quality yeah. and then if you're measuring that you get the roi on that as well exactly and if you design for that person from the get-go mm. it's pretty hard to go wrong what is it now bowl of spaghetti no longer it, it's a, <laughs> a club sandwich or a, i don't know maybe uh, not as neat as a club a, sandwich uh surf and turf <laughs> I don't know. Pizza? I don't know. We're getting there. You'll have to think of an analogy for that. Yeah. Not, All right. We're, we're, not, we're not a spaghetti uh, anymore. Maybe we'll we'll come back to it. I've got one last question, Cara. I know this has taken ages, but this is my learning hook question. So do you have a learning hook that's something that just has inspired you in learning? A light bulb moment for you. I'm just always interested in any example. Uh, walking away from Remix, I did have one of those moments of like, oh my goodness, right. this could make learning so much better 
better. Remix sounds awesome, yeah, Cara. Was, I, I'm really going to consider going to that. It was, it was fun. It I, was I like left of field conferences. So Helen and I were talking about that the other week too. With um, the Learn Tech Asia. Yeah, Learn Tech Asia. What a cool thing to go to, right? From the cultural perspective, it's should on we, topic. Should we go but, next year? Sounds good. I think we should uh, do like a bit of a road trip. <laughs> Get a coalition of the willing uh, and we'll all go to Singapore. I went to C2 on Friday. C2 is uh, it was a pre-event. So it was a conference before the conference. Oh. This conference is run by, um, or they're associated with Cirque Soleil. And so it's all about, so it's, it's all about innovation. And yeah, well, they pick us up from a secret location. Stop it. Sorry, they, they conference secret location. I had to know where to go to get picked up. So I went to a parking space, to a parking lot in South <laughs> Melbourne, conveniently located near the convention centre. We all had drinks on arrival, um, big tents talking, a lot of excitement in the air because all these buses are arriving and we were thinking, hmm, is it the convention centre like across the street? That would be kind of <laughs> Or is it like the Yarra Valley? Because it was from 12 till 7pm. Oh. It was fantastic. We uh, jumped on the bus. We did drive across the street. <laughs> My office is in the city. It made it easier. But then, um, yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. So they had a dark room. In the dark room, you go in there with a group, lots of group work, right? Yeah. Lots of workshoppy sort of stuff. It went into the dark room, pitch black, and people talk about a topic. So all you can hear is voices. Oh. Bit creepy, but kind of cool, right? That sounds kind of cool. Because totally different perspective. You're totally focused. I was thinking, is this teleconference? No. At a teleconference, you're Listen. looking around, you've got your computer, putting you off, you're looking at the window, texting people. texting people, going on mute. In a dark room, your senses are totally you shut down the visual focused on listening. So rather than thinking, you're listening. Anyway, I like that. And there was... um. Bubbles jumping into big, you know, big vats of the little balls like a little kid. So we're having lots of fun doing that, particularly after a few cocktails. <laughs> at the end of the night, we, we had a lot of fun. It um, wasn't a conference at all, yeah. was it? Well, yes, it, it was. sounds way too So fun. this is a conference I'm selling now. Uh, no, there's tickets for next year. It's a three-day event and it's going to be massive. That sounds amazing. So I guess this was put on um, and I don't think it even came close to what they're going to do next year. So it's, it's been running Canada for a lot of years. Yeah. quite a famous conference overseas, but it's the first time in Australia. Next C2. year, C2. Just as in the letter C and this the number is, two. This is the book here. Oh, see, look, uh, I came prepared. His okay, prepared. so that, oh, <laughs> I think that kind of wraps us up. Yeah. The learning hook, um, the remix for me, I reckon I might go to that next year because I'm just so interested in curation and I, I love the, you know, what museums and libraries do, Cara, is, is uh, really innovative. They're always looking for different ways to engage their audience. I know. And, it's, and it is actually about yeah. learning and, and yeah. definitely pull learning in those yes. places, right? I learned heaps from a trip to Mona at one point. Oh, that, yeah, Mona. <gasps> such a great visit. Was. I also got, I guess, the, the basic things, Cara. I love the tip about analytics, you know, like we can do that better. And, and I think L&D, everyone's talking and thinking about person-centred design yeah. and having the guts to do the, yeah. the skateboard, you know, is Agile's, it's a hype cycle, like Gartner's hype cycle, these things. And so it's like semi-2010 too. There's yeah. a lot of talk about it and that's the hype. Yeah. It doesn't go away. Hype's not a bad thing. No. But when it starts becoming business as usual, that's the exciting bit. And I think that we're kind of getting there, actually. Yeah. The portals and we're, we're yeah. seeing that across the board now. Lots of talk. And I guess the cross-pollination of ideas, you know, from your sort of varied history of L&D led yeah. to where you are. Awesome. Cute. Thanks for coming in, Carol. Thanks for having me. It's been great. That brings us to the end of this podcast. If you've got any questions or comments that you'd like to share, just visit learninghook.com.au. Until next time, thanks for listening.